0: You know what's also fair?
1: Trade with the coffee that you bought? Yeah. I uh, sorry. Yeah, I exactly.
0: It. And you know, I love I love my coffee, particularly the Ethiopian blend. You know what else is in Africa is wakanda,
1: allegedly.
0: And you know what movie we s-
1: allegedly <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Yeah,
0: you know. Um you know what else? Uh, we both saw the Black Panther. Roar. This, this week. Some of us twice.
1: <laughs> Not me, because apparently I'm a racist.
0: Well, I mean, you're a racist, but I feel like, you know, that shouldn't stop you from watching good Fair film.
1: Uh, yeah. On a side note, and I will never mention it again, but it was fun, fun to watch right-wing pundits kind of lose their mind over this movie. Uh, where i was like yeah just don't have a twitter's
0: been an interesting place the last cool week
1: you? you don't know shit well if the movie was called klu klux klan i'm like it has nothing to do with the black panthers and furthermore equating the clan to the panthers is not an accurate comparison
0: yeah i do not like uninformed ignorance when it comes to these things where it's just like you need to like actually get your facts before you're gonna have such a heated opinion about something. I-, I know some of my friends' fathers particularly are just like they don't they don't seem to understand the difference between a comic book character of a man who eats a heart-shaped herb to get ex- uh, to become stronger and a political movement. <laughs>
1: Well, when, I'll give you a good example. When uh, Simon Baz became Green Lantern a few years ago, um, while Hal Jordan and Guy Gardner and Kyle Reiner were all still alive, and Jon Stewart, but we got a new Green Lantern because that's what Green Lantern does. There's been like seven of them now. Anyways, when Mr. Baz became Green Lantern, he was a Muslim Green Lantern. Oh, my God. And it was actually a story on Fox News that they had changed Green Lantern from being a white guy. And I literally had to correct someone and be like, first off, there's still several white Green Lanterns. And secondly, these, these pundits don't know what the fuck they're talking about. They have zero clue. You can You can spread lies and misinformation and bullshit all you want, but not about comics, you sons of bitches.
0: Either be nerds or shut the fuck up. That's my slogan. I'm,
1: I'm going to keep it. For everything.
0: Yep. Um, title of the podcast?
1: Be yeah. nerds or shut the fuck up.
0: You know, it's to the point, and I feel like it. It's it appropriately defines our agenda. So I saw Black Panther on Saturday, and then I saw it again last night. And I went into the that film with no expectation. I actually really was not excited for Black Panther for quite some time. And then the last like week and a half or so, I was starting to get amped up because I I get I get that adrenaline pumping feeling. And so I started getting really excited. Um, I mean, I I was always going to see it. I was always going to see it opening weekend. Like that's not that's not a debate. But anyway, I. Uh, saw it and I was like I left it and I was just like, oh whoa, wow. Wow. I recognize also, did not put any expectation into it. And so then I I'm glad I saw it again. And I know I said this to you already, but I'm glad I saw it again because I feel like after that I was like happy with it, but then I also had constructive criticism about it, which I think I need. And recency bias is a real thing for me. I suffer from it hard. But um yeah, there were some there were some interesting there were some interesting moments. There some of my favorite Marvel characters are now in play, which is exciting, and some characters that I didn't think I would really think much of ended up being really interesting to me, and some that I thought like, whoa, this is gonna be amazing were like, you know, underwhelming. But today we're gonna talk about Black Panther.
1: The movie that is a movement.
0: On slow claps and rewrites, forgot that I had more to say. We're watching the story of Black Panther. Uh, we were introduced to him, uh, the the new king of Wakanda, uh, in Civil War, and I think we got a really good feeling for him. I think he had a really good entrance into the Marvel Cinematic Universe in Civil War. He's a very he's a very calm. And strong leader. And I don't think there's much criticism you can put on him as a, as a character, for the most part. I feel like he does a really good job. I, I mean, we can get into that with characters. But I feel like that, I think, was why I was not super excited about it. Because he was really good in Civil War, but he's just... There's not that as much that internal struggle with as you have with like, say Tony Stark or Steve Rogers. I, I mean, you don't have
1: not this yet. question. I think, yeah,
0: Ex- exactly, exactly. But that's I'm more explaining why I was not like super like, yeah, there's gonna be conflict and stuff. But as trailers came out, as casts came out, I was getting increasingly more excited. About it, and I mean, I love Michael B. Jordan, so I was was like, okay, yeah, no. And I thought in the trailers he was doing great, and the more I was seeing of certain characters, I was I was excited. It was interesting. Some of the characters that they really did not focus on in the trailers, who just ended up stealing the fucking film.
1: Mm, I wonder Uh, who you could be hmm. talking about.
0: Maybe my favorite new Des- Disney princess. <laughs> There's a pretty great uh meme where it's like who's your favorite Disney princess? Shuri of Wakanda. She's not really Disney. Shuri, Shuri of Wakanda. Wakanda.
1: <laughs> she has panther cannons on her hands. God, that was so fucking badass.
0: I really want I really want her to be Black Panther. Like I was sort of surprised that she I, during that first scene, where uh, the first you know fighting scene, the first challenge scene, I kind of thought like she might say something, and then the, the, I mean they were like fucking with us, and I think they didn't want to create that conflict. There was just already going to be conflict, but yeah, that was that was that was kind of a bummer that she. I but at the end when she was fighting, I was like, yeah, go, Shuri.
1: I don't. I don't think there were any characters that I was like profoundly disappointed in or thought were, were terrible or whatever, but she was a very pleasant surprise of being like, my sister saw black Panther opening night and she texted me right after and was like, you gotta go see black Panther. And I'm like on it, going to go see it later. And she goes, there's a really awesome brother, sister dynamic in it. Made me miss you. Made me think of you. It was nice that she, she had a great dynamic with her brother and her mom. Um, Unbelievable. Fun. But just as a character, like to have this badass scientist who's not like is trying to impress in the way that people that age do. Not so much, in you know, a like, hey, look at me. I'm a genius. Kind of like Tony Stark sort of arrogance, but like the arrogance of youth that was really fun because it was relatable um
0: yeah i loved her
1: i and i um, before- i was so excited because of uh her episode of black mirror this last season was so good
0: yeah she had the last she episode. did um, she
1: had the the dark the black museum and i was just uh really happy when i realized that it was her playing the playing the princess i was like oh you're so talented <laughs> I, know,
0: I she's so good. um first off before we go full into the characters We're reviewing Black Panther. Um, But I do want to do honorable mentions for two characters that we're not going to really go full in depth on, but that I was very surprised on. I'm sure you can figure out who I'm going to talk about Um, Njobu. But (laughs) Njobu, played by Sterling K. Brown, very surprising. uh, That they, (laughs) like, he just, when I was listening to some of the conversation, I was like, wait, is that Sterling K. Brown? And the first time I saw it was with my sister. Who is apparently a This Is Us fan. And so she was like, and then and her and my niece were like, This is us. I was like, it's Randall from This Is Us. And I was just like, Yeah. Or we're I mean, a have movie. you seen the trial of OJ Simpson? <laughs> I was no, I did not say that. Um so he, I felt like as as the prince of Wakanda, the younger brother of the king, um to T- T'Challa's uncle. Uh, who has an interesting sort of story, but we don't need to go fully in depth in it. But I thought he, he had, you know, two scenes. Like, I mean, and one was just a flashback from the earlier scene. But, you know, I think he does really well. I think he had a really great moment. And I think... And, I mean, the the scene with when he's the elder, that scene where there's, like, no tears for me and stuff. I thought he did a really – he had a really beautiful – I mean, no one's questioning Sterling Cape Sterling Brown's uh, acting. Like, he's, he's solid. And I think he really did make the most of, you know, two scenes. Um, and then the other being Winston Duke, who played M- Mubaku, uh, the Mubaku. Mountain Tribes <laughs> – mm. Um, (laughs) Just like mom used to make it. It's vegetarian. Uh, So that's only funny if you've seen the movie. Uh, And even then, it's a stretch. Uh, I thought he also had, for the few scenes he had, really solid. But if you notice at the very end, full spoilers, guys. If you notice at the very end, when he opens the door and you just see his back and he's going into like his council... Mbaku's there, like to the left. He's just, he's chilling. So I feel like we might see him more, which would be great because I thought he did a really great job. And
1: well, according to IMDb, he does have a credit in Avengers Infinity War.
0: Just what I was hoping. Yep. So, so yeah, I was, I was very into those two smaller roles. I was very impressed by, for, basically cameos like you know you when you have two three scenes it's kind of hard with a marvel movie to be like yeah you're fully in it um but i thought they were really really solid and it just sort of set for me like the precedent of acting in this movie because i think honestly you've got really really solid actors all around here
1: yeah this is cream of the crop not just um a lot of people have you know, said oh, these are the best black actors in Hollywood. These are the best actors in Hollywood. Like you don't need to qualify it. You've got Lupita Nyong'o, Michael B. Jordan. We've got Chadwick Nobody Boseman. put Angela, Angela Bassett. Bassett in the corner. Exactly. Um we'll get through we'll get through as many of them as we can as quick as we can. But yeah, a hundred percent right. Honorable mentions. Uh Winston Duke, I think, even had a, a bigger role than uh than Zuri, really, probably total scream time. But um he yeah. But he, I mean when you have Forrest Whitaker. Yeah, you exactly. Got, Forrest Whitaker gets gets a proper shout out. But yeah, no, he did a fantastic job. Sterling K Brown, I did not realize was in this movie in the type of role that he was. I was thinking he was going to be like a tribal elder we just hadn't seen yet or something, but um mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he was he I was had no great. clue he was in it period. Yeah, his, I was very excited about that. His flashback scene was great. The the opening scene really did a lot to set up the complications of like a global African dynamic that was fascinating. Mm. But anyways, it, uh, he did a good job. They both did a good job, but I think, yeah, Forrest, Whit- Forrest Whitaker gets a proper section. So Zuri. Um,
0: okay. Let's do, yeah. Let's talk about Zuri and Ramanda.
1: Zuri and Ramanda.
0: Yeah. Cause we've got, these are our two heavy hitters who have pretty small roles considering the names Angela Bassett and Forrest Whitaker, you know, you, you, you kind of expect it. That. Does
1: feel like almost like a passing of the torch from these two awesome older actors to um, to this next generation, this generation of like late twenties, early thirties, stellar, yeah. stellar stars.
0: Well, I was explaining it to someone as it's sort of like the Star Wars franchise, not as extreme, sure, but it is these really well-known actors, these actors we've kind of come to really be in uh, we've we're endeared to kind of passing down to some uh names that are up and coming or are strong. You know, you've got an Oscar winner in there. Um, but that uh you know we are going to come to really feel in a similar way as we do with like Morgan Freeman, Forest Whitaker, Angela Bassett, Octavia Spencer. Those those amazing actors that we've yeah. spent time with.
1: Yeah, and I was expecting when I saw Zuri um as, you know, played by Forrest Whitaker, I was expecting sort of a Zazu meets Rafiki to use a Lion King analogy, like some you know, having having royal importance but being more of a like a mystical guide, which he was, but he actually felt a little more like um a herald in a Shakespearean play. Like he was very much there to provide some exposition about the king's past and yes he, yeah. he took part in ceremony but that could have been any character as far as like the actual story function of of zuri he was there to shepherd us into this hamlet-esque second act
0: um i felt he explained a lot he did. more than he did. he wasn't like yoda where you're just kind of A little confused all the time, but my one criticism is: Did he just come from Rogue One set? Because he had a Sagarera like voice to him, and that was hard for me.
1: How he sounds. And you should kill me. This is just the voice that he has, which also now reminds me of the caretaker on that episode of Thirty Rock.
0: Uh, but yeah, I felt like he was he was a really interesting character. I, di- I mean, I kind of, at the get-go, was like, he's gonna die. I i did not have... It. I actually thought a lot more people would die than did. And I know you had your theories about certain people dying, and they didn't. And so I was like, what now, Daniel? Um, but uh, yeah, so... And I, I mean it, Daniel as in the actor, not and you, yeah, because you're both named. I Daniel. really
1: thought Daniel Kaluuya was gonna, was gonna eat it, but
0: he had so much more of a role. But I'll get, get to him, yeah, that.
1: we'll get to him. Um, so he had
0: more of a role than I anticipated, sure. more depth than I anticipated.
1: So, yeah, Zuri was uh served a very good story function, and Angela Bassett was regal AF. She was just she was a queen. I did love when uh Michael B. Jordan <laughs> reveals his parentage and goes, Hey, mm-hmm. auntie. I, yeah, I did. I was like, I
0: did love that. That was a great moment. Africa
1: meets America.
0: <laughs> that was a great moment, and I think you know she was she was good for the role. She uh, she was she felt all knowing in a lot of ways, but I felt like there was it was amazing in that moment of when her world basically turned upside down and her timidness that came out and her confusion and that she really like needed guidance. Because everything she understood was just gone all of a sudden. And you could really see that. And I think that was a hard thing to portray, but she made it seem effortless. And so I really have to say, like, though she was, her character had limited scenes, she did a lot with them.
1: Especially in the reaction to the, you know, in her mind, the death of her son. Like, she really, she handled that very well. But you know what my biggest impression was from watching this? What? When she's on the run. And she's got her her headdress and everything removed, and they are just wearing blankets. And she's got these glorious silver dreads. I was like, "Why did they saddle us with Halle Berry? That was the storm, storm we should have had. Yeah, that was oh, our storm. God. Let's see what it should have been, guys? Should have been Angela that passing. would have been
0: amazing. That oh my god, uh, she should have been Storm though. Did mm-hmm. she was amazing? She was amazing. Yeah. Um, no criticism. I just she did. Great work with what she was. She was a mother first, and I loved that, and a queen second, but damn if she wasn't a queen. Uh, Shall we talk next about our Tolkien white guys?
1: Tolkien white guys. (laughs) 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 Uh,
0: So, when that was first told to me, I thought the person who told me made it up, and I was just like, I will marry you for that. They did not.
1: But. So now you now the, now the weddings off. Now marriage is
0: off, <laughs> off the table. Um. So yeah, Martin Freeman and Andy Circus, mm-hmm. uh, playing Ulysses Claw, Andy Circus, and then uh, what's his name? Again? Everett Ross. Uh, yeah, he has the whitest name ever. And he's, and he's <laughs> like, forget-
1: he's such a bland character. Like he has he has a good moment or two towards the end, but it's just like I'm a CIA guy. Trust me, because I said I am.
0: But. But I was kind of thankful. He had too much in this. Like, he was in it too much. Like, I'm going to say that. I'm glad they gave him a few things to do. I have to say, though, this movie, I'm glad he was in it. Because I really hated him after Civil War. I felt like he was a useless character. The accent was atrocious. The accent, I got more used to still not good I really kind of hope in Infinity War there's a weird moment where like he and Doctor Strange like accidentally back into each other and they have like an odd exchange but I also feel like it'd be just too fan y but um, but like part of me is just like at this point I feel like why not like we're just throwing well, the fans and, I mean, all the things
1: Klaw is dead so we can't have a smog Bilbo Schmeagle reunion but God, one that would can be great.
0: Um, but so you do. I mean, Andy Serkis, obviously well known as being Gollum and Martin Freeman, Bilbo Baggins. There is a moment where there is an exchange of vibranium between the two of them. And last night I did lean over and went.
1: Precious. That was you. <laughs> because- Oh, I looked around, well, I was like, who's being a dick in this theater?
0: <laughs> well, to be fair, there was like no one in the theater last night. Uh, they all went on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Weirdos. Um, Jerks. So I felt like, honestly, Andy Circus really did well as being a skis ball. I was sort of, I didn't, I I got why they killed him, but, uh, why, I mean, why Killmonger killed him, but I also felt like, there probably could have been more to him. I... It felt weird that he died
1: that way. I like that Killmonger used him to get into the good graces of um, the Wakandan people and, like, assert himself. But Claw is, like, the chief Black Panther protagonist. There's not a lot of famous, well, or just not even famous, because let's be honest, there aren't famous Black Panther villains until now. Um There's just not as deep a bench for his Mm -hmm. villains. And I just, uh, I wish that he would have brought him back alive to have a little more interplay and get a little more out of the character. I totally understand why they killed him off and it worked well for Killmonger, who was a great villain in my opinion. But yeah, he was a little shortchanged and I think Martin Freeman was a little, not underwhelming, but it could have been anybody. It didn't really feel like this yeah. had to be Ross. This could have been like he
0: wasn't bringing, any, yeah, yeah, he wasn't bringing anything specific to the table. It could have on been. It, it could have been Maria Hill. Yeah,
1: it could have been. Um, I would have actually liked that better. Oh, actually, Maria Hill would have been a lot more fun.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, right.
1: But yeah, it was. It was fine. Yeah. Um.
0: Yeah, and I agree. I for me, it was kind of. Making me question what... Because I feel like they're going to greenlight a sequel really soon. This has been an incredibly successful film. I'm curious what they're going to do now. Unless it's going to be a thing about, like, Shuri becoming Black Panther, which would be great. Um, But it's, it's hard because Claw, they brought him in for Age of Ultron. And so I feel like it was a little flippant to kill him so abruptly and not bring him in for more plot when you've started him off earlier on but i mean i do understand the device i do understand why it was done i just felt like he i mean and also it was just clear he was having fun with it and like i find those portrayals more enjoyable
1: yeah he was i thought that was fun he was a a a waste of a villain who got to an interesting place as far as the overarching Marvel cinematic universe goes as far as what he accomplished and how he worked out in this movie um i thought it was it was perfect amount of claw yeah. and they used him perfectly and it ties into my overarching uh thoughts on the film which i'll i'll circle back to towards the end
0: yeah yeah sounds good so all right so we're done with that so i guess uh wakabi would probably be a good next step played by daniel Kalua. kaluya kaluya Kalua daniel the,
1: Kaluuya, the coffee the coffee the coffee actor.
0: alcohol oh my god uh if i have an oscar party there needs to be a daniel Kalua yeah like which is just a white russian yeah, we'll
1: drink a daniel Kalua. um oh my god that's amazing uh
0: who plays wakabi a very close friend of of uh T'Challa, um, whose parents were murdered by Claw, and um, he's also—I couldn't figure out if they were just together or if they were married with Okoye, uh, the the leader. I mean, it was very weird. Like Their you never actually saw them. it Was
1: in. a stupid addition. It was just like, well, our our main Dora Milaje. Might be interpreted as being a lesbian, so let's make sure that she has someone she can call my love. It's like they they totally blinked because nobody bought that for a damn second.
0: Yeah, they weren't ever alone together, no. they were never like standing next there to was each other, nothing. so yeah, yeah,
1: I, yeah, so I thought that, that relationship the relationship was a the done like addition. general, right,
0: of the Dora Milaje, and she's amazing, but and I don't think for a second she would be with a guy like that, but yeah. anyway. I originally going into this thought he was going to be the best friend, which he basically was, and that he was going to be Bonnet, and his death was going to be some sort of catalyst. Part of the reason why I thought that was you really sold me on it, and then when he lived, and then when he was pissed at the Black Panther, and then when he basically betrayed everything he had once known, I was just like, well... I don't really like this character, but damn it if like he is not doing something really interesting with this role. Not sure what he's going to do next, but I was I I really thought it was going to be a one-note character. It was not a one-note character. Was he likable? Not necessarily, but I thought he did a really good job with it. I thought he sh- he his reasoning made sense to a point. I think all of the uh, all of the characters their reasoning made sense to a point but I felt like it was they were making it too black and white and that was my issue with some of the characters was particularly Killmonger, um uh Even Akoya at certain points and and uh, Wakabi I felt like they all were at certain points um making it too black and white
1: which is why uh, T'Challa stands above the rest as someone who can see nuance and can find compromise and it's part of why the king has returned. Exactly. Wachobi was, I think, a missed opportunity. I hope that, I hope they can use wakobi as a, a possible villain in Black Panther 2. Like, I think they've they've set him down a course now that we can have, like, Between Black Panther 1, 2, and 3, I I would love the final confrontation to be T'Challa versus Wakobi because I think to have best friends start together and end at each other's throats isn't something that we've done in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Because let's be honest, Tony.
0: Cap and, and Tony love each other, and Cap and Bucky love each other. Like it's.
1: Tony and Steve were never best friends, period. They weren't. There was betrayal there because they were allies. But they didn't have the kind of grew, grew up together brotherhood bond that Bucky and Steve had. And that's it, for guys. They're just friends. Um, but I think... Maybe Krolls. Yeah, there's 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 an opportunity here for his character down the road. But as far as what he did in this movie, I understood where he was coming from. Parents are killed by Claw. Get it? You want vengeance? Uh, totally reasonable. I thought his chemistry and alleged relationship with uh akoya
0: was non-existent
1: was bullshit yeah i thought focus on the friendship he doesn't need to have a romantic angle and neither does she it didn't it was lip service they didn't it didn't add anything unlike with Lapita Nyong'o and chadwick boseman that added something to the story there that was just an aside that's like can't let anybody think that she's gay all right guys um it just it felt very much like they were just trying to I don't know, add something that didn't need to be there.
0: Which, honestly, that weird wooden relationship kind of made me just assume maybe she was gay, which probably would not have been an assumption I had. Or maybe he's gay. Or maybe they're both asexual. It doesn't have to be about who you're into. Sometimes it's about who you're not into. It's a
1: spectrum, guys. God. Yeah. Get it together, our listeners.
0: So, I mean... (laughs) Listener, <laughs> the one that's still there. We love you. But I was, I would say, there were parts that I didn't really like. But I was very amazed and impressed and shocked by the level of his character. I did not think he was going to be more than a one note. I thought he'd be dead in the first forty-five minutes, so maybe hour. Like I really did not think he'd make it into the third act.
1: I wish that there was a moment where him and T'Challa had tea. And T'Challa would start like spin stirring his tea, and then Wakobi well, would like reach his arm out and grab his grab his arm and be like, "It's fine how it is. Leave it alone. It's a get out joke, folks."
0: Uh, no, I, I got it. I just
1: it's a very specific I, I, I joke. The... I wish they'd set up for me.
0: Yeah, you know, isn't it hard when they don't set up those specific jokes? Um, all right, so I feel like Nakia is the the next character. the um, Nakia, uh, I will state that I really didn't have a lot of hope for her from what I saw in the trailers and just the little tidbits I had gotten. I was like, you know, Lupita Nyong'o is an amazing actress and I really want them to give her something really hard, like, like a really strong character. And I think I was pleasantly surprised by how much she did and how strong she was there were still parts that I would, and I think she really in the in the second act does a lot and then in the final battle she and shuri have some really great moments I still I mean she definitely of the romantic partners of Marvel characters impressed me the most but the bar is very low
1: excruciating it's and it's so Sith just low. because
0: she Just because, yeah, just because Sif, Jane, Pepper don't impress me doesn't mean that, like, I'm necessarily super impressed by her. I think she has potential. I do not think in any way, like, I was like, oh, yeah, I think it's, uh, Grace Randolph actually made a really good point. Sorry for stealing your point, Grace. Not that you listen. Um, there are some really great strong women, but they are very much supporting characters, and she more than the others felt supporting to me. And I think she was really good, but I and I thought she had a lot of layers, but I wasn't I wanted her to be a bit tougher. But she was a spy, so. And I wish she have to I wish tough.
1: the espionage angle for her wasn't abandoned as quickly. Like we find her in the beginning undercover with some girls who've been abducted and she goes undercover again in the second act when they're in um, uh, Seoul. Korea, South and Korea. Was it Seoul, I don't remember the town, but yeah, when they were in South Korea. And then in the third act, she all of a sudden is like front and center battle type and I wish instead of going with Shuri and the queen that she had stayed And she had tried to be a spy still. Like she had tried to like Mm -hmm. get in with Killmonger. Like if she had really used those skills and been a little more, you know, black widow about it and play both sides or just try to, to find her way into his inner circle or, or whatever. I think that would have been a more interesting turn for her and a more authentic use of the skills they sent, they set up for her the first two thirds of the movie. Um, I'm, I give it a pass because, you know, dire situation where it's it's different than what we're used to. I understand it from a character specti- perspective. It's not wrong. I just would have made uh, a different choice for her.
0: Yeah, no, and I feel the same way. I was. I was pleasantly surprised by where her character went, but then because I was pleasantly surprised by that, I had higher expectations and was somewhat frustrated by some of the choices made for her.
1: Fair enough.
0: Um, but I thought she did a really good job with what she had. I thought she, I thought her and T'Challa's relationship was very interesting. There were some levels to it. It wasn't simple in a lot of ways. I thought she could be playful and serious, but I felt like it never, there was never the intensity that there were for some of the other characters. She never was like fully like scared or fully overwhelmed or fully just like angry. And I felt like there were some really extreme emotions going on and I didn't feel like she ever was really anything.
1: She wasn't pushed to those edges. I think she kept her cool, but it didn't come, it came off as aloof because she wasn't putting herself back in the situation to be the spy, to be the level-headed undercover one. And I think if she had been pushed back into those situations in the third act, her character would have come across a little more consistent instead of like almost like someone who's backing off a little bit um yeah but anyways i think she got horribly outshined by my favorite character in this movie Akoya. is it a koya me too too. so let's be clear um deny uh guerrera right am i gonna say that right Guerrera? Guerrera. Uh, Guer-
0: I, th- I think so, but also, let's be honest, I'm really white.
1: Yeah. Uh, Deny Guerrera. Oh my God. So she's always been great on The Walking Dead. Like, yeah, I was the- about to say, she, she had like one the of most the best entrances Consistently of the watchable, more than watchable. She's the most consistently solid, entertaining, thoroughly acted to the ends of the earth characters. She's a great actress. And this character could have been. Michonne light in the hands of another actress. It could have been, let me do Michonne with a spear, but it wasn't. It was capturing a soldier in such a specific and clear way without being caricature, without being like specifically girl power, like GI Jane sort of thing. She was just, she was a Koya. She was so, committed to her country, committed to her king, committed to her mission, committed to the life that she had chosen, and she was really tested in that. She was so tested with the whole Killmonger situation. She could not intervene. She could not... She served the throne, and it took the most extreme situation, like tribes fighting tribes, for her to break from that. But she did. She saw... She saw the solution. She went for it. But she had great one-liners, fantastically executed action sequences. Um, I'll tweet it. But if you haven't seen the Vanity Fair video where um, uh, the fight scene in the casino is broken down by Ryan Coogler, Ryan Coogler plays the video. It's like a 10-minute video. He plays out the scene and he writes on it like they do um, NFL um, play oh yeah, that. I saw Taika
0: Waititi do one for uh, Ragnarok. I think that's becoming a more common thing with Marvel Yeah, and
1: It's sort of this Vanity Fair vignette that um, mm-hmm. was great because he talked so much about her and the wig throwing moment and color choices and the way that she was realized from costuming to lack of hair physicality commitment to her fight scenes Like she, she was stellar. Like when she says Wakanda forever, we all say Wakanda forever. Like she is, she is Wakanda. Like to me, she was just such an incredible, (laughs) she really made me think of my friend Tanisha, made me miss her a whole lot, especially with the shaved head. Tanisha's got a shaved head and it just, she's just such a fucking badass. Just awesome.
0: No, I I get you. Uh, I have to say my one criticism is, Her beautifully choreographed and intense scene in Korea kind of made the final battle between uh, Killmonger and T'Challa suck, in my opinion. Uh, Just because I was like, okay, I get it. You're falling. I feel like we're falling in every fucking Marvel movie at this point. Why? Um, But it was such a beautiful scene. It was so, like, I get goosebumps just thinking about it still. Like, I love that scene um she's amazing in it and I think that might be why I had a hard time with like Lupita Nyong'o is you when you pair the two of them together yeah Lupita like can hold her own but it's really fucking hard when you're next to someone that's so amazing and like her whole spear stopping part with the car and stuff and then Lupita's thing where she slides up and it's like funny
1: but that like like, in a nutshell that shot Like summed up the difference between the two of them. It was like
0: Yeah, it's them. And uh, but she's amazing. She's amazing in that. She's amazing in all of her scenes. Like, I feel like they kind of started her off slow. And like you thought I thought she was like gonna be a little funnier than than she ended up being. Like I thought she was gonna be more comedic. And I was really glad that I was wrong about that. And I am so freaking pumped to see her in Infinity Wars because she is a better fighter than anyone else. Like she is going to bring a whole new level to these scenes where I feel like so many people are dependent. And I mean, she has vibranium accents to her, but I feel like a ton of that as skill and I feel like with fighting in the Marvel Cinematic Universe it's so much about technology and your suit and your power and with her it's skill and I feel like that's kind of what I like about The Winter Soldier it's what I honestly what I do like about Black Widow but I feel like it sort of falls flat now with Scarlett Johansson I just don't think she's ever reached what I wanted Black Widow to be um, but what I kind of wish Scarlet Witch had been a bit more about but she's more about her hands now
1: <laughs> well, and and like, I think the advantage here is she has had six years, almost a hundred episodes on The Walking Dead, day in day out doing sword work, looking like a badass. whereas other whereas these other Marvel actors, you do your movie and then you go and do two other movies that probably aren't big actioners for the most part, especially for the women. like unfortunately, you know, ScarJo is you know did Lucy or whatever, but and Ghost in the Shell and
0: Ghost Ghost in the Shell.
1: But as far as you know, time off, continuing with your training and continuing to stay in tip top shape and really improving. Like she was set up perfectly to be a badass action star, and I would love to see a vehicle for her. After this, I'm like, give her a. Taken style, small budget actioner, or a John Wick style actioner, and just oh, let her go yeah. nuts. Keep the budget low, so it's minimal risk for her as a star vehicle. But just
0: <clears throat>
1: it, the the action sequence. She's amazing. Is so good. So damn good.
0: Yeah, and I think this is just the start for her. I think this is this is gonna be a really big point for her that I feel like a lot of these actors, they were already pretty, they were getting pretty strong recognition. And when they, before they joined the Marvel cinematic universe, I think for her, it's, it's just a stepping off point. And she's 40. Really. She's
1: got, she's got years to, to be this badass. She's got years, but she's still, she's older than uh, several members of this cast. And she makes them all look like chumps. She's so damn good. She really
0: does. It's, it's insane. And she does not, 40. Um, I feel like there's a there's a saying about that.
1: Yeah, skilled actors don't age.
0: Yes, that's it. That was the one. Uh, but, yeah, so I, I love her. And I honestly I kind of wish I had seen her and Shuri together a little bit more. I thought that would be a fun team up. I thought Livy Nyong'o and, and, and her were really great together, too. In both cases, I thought she was good with both of them separately, but I would have kind of liked to see, see a little bit more Of that team up. Because I thought Shuri had like the verbal stuff on on Pat. She had some pretty good one-liners. And it's kind of cool thinking about like the technology she has. That she's like, she is more technologically advanced than Tony Stark because of Vibranium.
1: The black sand motif being used for the physical interfaces with the like remote controlling of vehicles. But also for communication and for like... 3D scan scanned layouts and for the the opening credit sequence which was great that motif coming back over and over again like vibranium sand being used to make <laughs> things was gorgeous and such a such a specific sort of futurism that we don't see as much You know, it's been used in other motifs. I think like the Minority Report TV show and a few other places. They've done like the whole moving sand kind of thing before. But to have it be black and to have it be clearly made of vibranium like that, it worked on a on a very interesting and specific level. It was really good art direction. And I liked the way that that Shuri utilized it.
0: I I agree. And I think she was just she was fun. I realized we didn't really go full in depth with her. My issue with vibranium, though, is I feel like they just sort of, at certain points, were like, so how does this work? I mean, vibranium. Like, vibranium does this. This is how, that's Yeah, because that's why. vibranium.
1: Yeah, vibranium. Because vibranium. vibranium. Yeah, because of vibranium. Because vibranium. Yeah, it's a little It's a little too catch-all-y. It's a catch-all. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, <laughs> it's impossibly hard, impossibly light. It can vibrate and... Can help Be,
0: cure a bullet wound. Yeah, being
1: molecular I just yeah. I, vibranium's just a little too silver bullet y it's
0: yeah, it's just it's this overarching. It's like just put thi- some vibranium
1: paint thing. on it and then it's fine. Like there's there's your science yeah, it's in like, the script. Just vibranium. I feel like it's like
0: a, in my Big Fat Greek wedding how the dad some always thinks it. Windex will fix it. Yeah, put some vibranium on it. I'm just like, what is going on? Why is vibranium fixing everything? But I did. I honestly, the times where I felt like Martin Freeman was enjoyable for me was honestly him and Shuri working together were was pretty funny. She kind of put him in place yeah. a few times, which was great. She was just funny. Like I yeah. thought her relationship with T'Challa was great. I thought her relationship with everyone was great. It was very. It was lighter, and so it kind of lightened up certain sequences. But when she started fighting at the end, yeah,
1: it was without her. P- it was.
0: She badass. was light,
1: but not at expense of herself. She was not a clown. She was not a buffoon. She was no. again it comes I think part of it comes back to youth and being the youngest person in the group and just having sort of the the Robin effect almost of like lighten up, bats, we're here to have fun. You know, she kind of she kind of provided a little bit of a a lighter touch without being without depth or consequence.
0: But then, when it did come to like her real moment of sadness, which happens uh, when her and her mother are waiting for Nikita, uh, um, and uh, Everett, uh, when she just says, "We we don't even get to bury him," yep. and just like they're sorry, Nakia. Um,
1: her and Nokia, her
0: <laughs> Nokia, Nokia. Um, but when they, uh, when she says that, like there was just like a very raw moment there. And it was very serious and very, like, it, it kind of like had a little moment of like sadness there because this person who's been so light, just the world feels broken for her in that moment. She doesn't understand, like, she's a scientist, but like she can make no sense of this. And I thought that was a, a good moment. And I feel like that's what most of these, Characters have had, and it's why they're not as light. And I felt like it was sort of the start of her wanting to change things.
1: And who to gave her that breaking moment? Eric Kilmonger.
0: Ah, great lead up to Eric Kilmonger. This—he was just a character I—I I had such opposing feelings about.
1: He was a great villain because there was just enough truth to what he was saying for either a whole portion of the audience or at least just part of part of an audience member just a little corner of your brain to go yeah i kind of see where you're coming from and like to understand his tragic backstory in such real and personal ways it it went a long way for us to be like yeah this could very easily happen this could be the logical conclusion you come to after this life and this circumstance and mm-hmm. that made it all the harder and more tragic for the inevitable clash with T'Challa where you could kind of understand where he was coming from. Yeah, his execution and his idea of how to correct things was probably too extreme for most people, but it was understandable without being something you could just fully embrace right away. It had just enough truth to make him not mustache twirling and not just some crazy revenge fantasy. He did want to help people who had been in his situation in his mind he wanted to be a liberator and one man's liberator is another person's terrorist unfortunately and
0: and killmonger when it comes down to it is a terrorist and that's i think that was my issue is he was a little too likable like he or uh or relatable and that was my one note about that
1: no i i i agree i think he's he's I think for me personally, that makes him such a good villain because unlike, say, like um, a Blofeld or somebody or like, you know, a classic Bond villain, he's that could be us. Like that could be anybody who goes through that, that they come out the other side and is like, not only am I strong and demanding that I be made whole, I want retribution, I want this to be better, but... I don't want other people to have to go through this. Like, it's not Mm -hmm. just a revenge thing. It's a remaking of the world thing. And I think all of us, if we're honest, have had some sort of fantasy about wanting to change the world to prevent others from experiencing our pains. And that's a very understandable thing. Even if his execution of that idea and acting on those feelings is flawed, where he's coming from is something we can all relate to, which makes him, in my opinion, one of the best, if not the best, Marvel Cinematic villain. Because as we know, they tend to have a villain problem. And he was they he really was a did. really good villain. He was a really good villain.
0: Yeah, I would... I have to agree. I, I mean, not I don't have to, but I, I do agree with you for most of this. Um, I don't think I like Killmonger as much as you did, but... For my own reasons. But he is more along the lines of the villains that we deserve in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I honestly, it's hard. Because I'm going to relate every villain to OG Spider-Man, Doc Ock. Because that was a villain. He was sympathetic. He did something shitty. But, and like he made, he, he made connections with, you know, Harry er, Harry Osborne, and whatever and all that stuff but like I got why he did what he did and I love him and Alfred Molina portrayed him wonderfully and he is yeah thank you he is he is my he is my ultimate villain um that's what I hold the standard to and I think Killmonger got close he had the backstory he had the mission I I got nervous, though. I felt they almost didn't want to make him too evil at certain points. They did certain things, though, where I was just like, I couldn't, I can't see that as good, like his burning of the, the, the herb, because there is, he's gonna die someday and he has to be faced with his own mortality. And I think that's a huge part of being a superhero is you're gonna die. You're gonna be replaced. You need to recognize that. And I think that's something they all struggle with. And I, but I think it's what makes them more relatable people. Um, but it did, he scared me. Like honestly, his likability kind of scared me. And I think that's where I don't like him because he is a terrorist and like that is his character, but he is one that we can get behind because he has a message and he is so charismatic about that message. And I think that was what my hard thing with him was because like and I think what they they had to put in that scene where he kill uh, where he killed one of the soldiers because there was no reason for him to kill her. Like, he should, like, I mean, like, I get why he killed her in that scenario, but, like, that's why they killed her was because you needed to dislike him a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but he was, he was one of those characters, though, that was so black and white. Uh, where it had to be this thing or that thing, there you couldn't budge from your opinion, and I mean that's why T'Challa is such a good king, is because he can see my father failed in what he chose to be the history. I'm not going to fail, though. Whereas Killmonger has set himself up on this trajectory to have revenge, to have frustration, and he is going to focus on that with tunnel vision. Whatever the other circumstances that happen, that's not going to change this. He is calculated, and he's going to do this because this is what he wants. Whether or not there's honestly sometimes a logic problem to his choices, and I'm not saying... That his belief in giving technology to pl- people that need it is wasn't illogical, but I think like certain things he did were, like to assume that there should be no other Black Panther ever in the history of time. Like that's that's a that's a ridiculous thing to think, and or, or I mean to think that you're never going to pass down like the gauntlet of that because I mean even T'Challa's dad did that uh while well, he was still king. And it was that it was just frustrating in that he was likable. He was under uh, I mean in a way of like you understood where he came from and you pitied his his childhood and you respected his choice. But it was almost like I don't want to respect that choice. What the choice he made because I felt like it was wrong. He went about it the wrong way. But yet it's still we're in this place, even in like the and I think they They did it because our political climate, we're in a time where desperate times call for desperate measures. And so that doesn't seem irrational. And I think that's honestly how Black Panther is now in the comics. It's a similar thing. Revolution is clear and you you do have to sort of take those huge risks and these huge statements and whether or not they're fully right. People can get behind it still because we're all very desperate for hope or understanding.
1: But I think that's the perfect pivot to T'Challa because when Killmonger is presented with new information, it's an obstacle for him to overcome for his ultimate goal. When T'Challa is presented with new information, it is a challenge for the king to face. It is, you know, grappling with his father's mistakes rather than being a blind revisionist and just being dogmatic about no Wakanda's great Wakanda doesn't make mistakes like he had he had a diplomatic attitude he was willing to take responsibility every time and he put himself in personal danger for the benefit of his people and it was through T'challa's constant evaluation of any situation that he's in or that his nation is facing that we really saw true leadership a true leader Mm -hmm. takes in all the facts listens to counsel but understands that they must make the decision And and that weight and that directness the most beautiful line in this entire movie in my opinion was in the first flashback scene uh, well, not flashback scene, but in the first scene where T'Challa visited the home of the ancestors. And at the end of that scene, his father said, you are a good man. And it is very hard for a good man to be king. And he was right. Because Killmonger isn't nearly as good a person as T'Challa. Now, granted, upbringing and all kinds of terrible shit happened. I get that. But T'Challa is a better person objectively than Killmonger, and that's why he's a better king, because T'Challa wouldn't burn the flowers. T'Challa wouldn't go crazy for power. T'Challa didn't go all the way to what Killmonger wanted to do, but he also didn't stay doing the same old thing his father had done. He forged his own path after knowing all of the facts. And that's leadership. And that's a that's a hero's journey that is much more nuanced than what we typically get, especially in blockbuster fare. And it was much more satisfying and I think soothing, given the times that we live in, to see some sort of, it didn't even feel like a compromise or him buckling or going back or trying to make amends. It felt like he picked a clear path that accounted for all the facts as we know them. And that, that sort of leadership was just fantastic to watch. I really appreciated seeing him become... He went from being crowned king to being king.
0: Damn. Mic drop. No, I mean, I can't really add a whole lot to what you just said because you, you, you hit the nail on the head. Um, I'll just piggyback. I think... It's hard with that role because you're there's not as much you get to do as some of the other characters because you are this good person. But I think he did a really good job with it. I think you don't get to have as much fun when you're the main character in a Marvel movie because you are uh, you're not doing the silly stuff. You're not doing like some of the huge battle scenes. You're you're normally gonna have a good showdown, but. That's kind of what you get to do. And a lot of it is, you know, just talking and being a leader. And I think my basic, you put it really well, of how they handle obstacles. And I think that you put what I said in like 80 minutes into like one minute and congrats on that. But I think of when Zuri approached Killmonger and how t'challa would have responded well how t'challa did respond to finding out about his father's past to how killmonger found out about his father's past t'challa was you know thought about it and was sad about it and was processing his father being a murderer of his own brother eric killed the guy and like that's a huge thing where he's just like i can kill you both whatever you're dead um But I also think I would relate it to the last two Journeys to the Ancestors, Uh, Killmonger with his father. And I thought that scene was really, really beautiful, honestly. Two really great actors in a very quiet scene amongst a lot of action. And it made me feel a lot of things for him. But his choice to still move on. I mean, you recognized how desperate he was, but his choice to still move on with his path was hard. Um, whereas T'Challa was really angry at his dad and understood why his dad did it but didn't agree with him. Like he chose the history that he wanted. He He chose to leave a child behind that was related to him that was going to have nothing. And that was his choice. And I think he needed that push to recognize like Wakanda can't Wakanda is very intelligent, strong people, but in the world, they are cowards in a way. They protect themselves and hide from the world. And that, at that point, was not fair anymore. Like, we had reached such an escalation with what had been going on in the world, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I think... It was a really profound moment and it made me really like I've never been terribly like into the Black Panther and I I don't think I'm alone. Like it's just I think it's doing a lot of cool things now. But for years, it just sort of, you know, it felt a little one note to me. And I and I mean, also, it's just not been picked up in mainstream culture. And so it's it is harder to like get as into it as like say Spider-Man. I think Spider-Man is such an easy thing to get into because you've got cartoons, you've got mo- you've got 8,000 movies. You've got different iterations of it. And like that's great, but I feel like this just his role and his choices it made this movie something that not only comic book fans and fans of the Marvel Cinematic Universe should see, but I think it's like what kids should see like it's it's a I mean beyond it being a blockbuster it's a really good lesson and I I don't mean to sound hokey about it yeah (laughs) yeah exactly exactly in
1: T'Challa I think Marvel has found what they were missing from that character in uh, cartoons and in comics but also what Marvel has been missing as a whole which is classically speaking yeah superman is super because he weighs the option and makes a very hard choice that he has to live with because he has the power of a god and with t'challa it's not power it's governance as king he is the ultimate authority in wakanda and heavy is the head that wears that crown but he does a very good job of doing his absolute moral damnedest to be the king and it's such a it's such a great standard for any person but i think especially for young people to be like no this guy has his mind changed about things he he learns new things and it changes him but he grows yeah. but he He's consistently strives to do what he thinks in his estimation is right and that's huge yep
0: yeah. and he takes information and he grows from it mm-hmm. and i think that's awesome Based on all that, if you could change something in this script, what would you change?
1: Uh, I would cut out the bullshit love story and just let her be the lesbian that she deserves to be. Um, I would have Ulysses Claw, survive to be killed in Black Panther 2. Um, possibly even by T'Challa. And... that, Those, I think, are the only major changes. I, If I had to describe this movie... In three acts, I'd say act one was black James Bond in the best way possible, from the suiting up with the new stuff, from the opening sequence to then the casino fight. It was going out into the streets into a car chase. It was a Bond movie. We were watching a Bond movie. I would love a Ryan Kugler directed Bond movie. I think it'd be amazing. Won't happen because he's not British, but still. Um, and then act two was a shakespearean epic it was henry the fourth it was hamlet it was family revelation royal intrigue a change in power and then a search for redemption and then act three was lord of the rings return of the king battle of minas Tirith on a much smaller scale on the african plains but yeah
0: god i love what a nerd i you are. know
1: it was bond it makes
0: me so happy
1: shakespeare and lord of the rings so it was In everything movie. it was and that sounds so disjointed but it flows so well i had very little that i would change about the script very very little um it was just a couple things that felt one was a missed opportunity with claw for further story and one was just an a needless hobbling of two characters they didn't they didn't need that fake relationship they didn't need it at all
0: it was. It wasn't necessary,
1: right? I was like, nobody. Honestly, nobody in Wakanda seems this, like, to like, have a beard. Contention. So why do you need one?
0: <laughs> yeah, I would have liked it almost if there was like more of a passive aggressive tension between them, like so, like my king Wakabi or something like that, rather than like it being like my love. Because it felt forced. It felt weird. And she's just what? not a person that like
1: what? you feel
0: yeah. <laughs> like like. It takes a lot to make her lines feel for us, but um, I would piggyback on that again. I'm just going to steal your shit. Uh, those two, I would say, a little bit more of an epic final battle between Killmonger and T'Challa. Yeah,
1: that's fair. Um, it was a little...
0: I'm not good at writing an action scene, but I, I, the one thing I did like is when they're falling and it's just silent. I don't know why. I love action scenes that there's just silence. I think it's very dramatic, and I really like it. It was similar with Star Wars. Um but yeah, I know, right? I feel you, Dern. Oh, no. You're in my heart. Um, I think Lord Dern should have had it. Um, and I would have. <laughs> I, I have would a darning also...
1: sensation.
0: <laughs> Dan, you really need to get it lo- looked at. Like, you really do. Um, but, and I think the other thing I would do is maybe cut down a little bit on Everett's lines. I didn't think they were really, some of them weren't really necessary. I felt like they kind of dragged on a little bit. They weren't Um, welcome. It
1: was verbal colonizing.
0: Yeah, it was. I did love that Sherry called him the colonizer. Um, But yeah, that's about it. I thought the script was actually honestly really, really well done. And I felt like there was very little that needed to be changed. I would have liked to see Michael Jordan just seem more conflicted, but he wasn't gonna. Like that wasn't how he was playing it but it was nice to see him not as the human torch.
1: Agreed. Uh, if you had to rename this movie, what would you rename it?
0: I have so many. I wrote them down. Oh,
1: give it to me rapid fire.
0: Okay. Um, my my first one, just stupidly, this is us. Um, the Color Black, Cats, Black Panther, Get Out of Wakanda, um, uh, The Panther King, and Vibranium Man. Those are my alternative titles. Damn.
1: Uh, <laughs> I decided to go with Schrodinger's Panther.
0: Ooh, damn, damn, Daniel.
1: Coming at it again See, with the Black Panther.
0: I love it. But this um, sets us up Dan, our, for what? Infinity War. <laughs> that's our next. That's the next Marvel movie. This is the last one. But I gotta ask you. So, Dan. There was no soul stone in Wakanda. Do do you think my theory about where the soul stone is may be accurate now that there is no soul stone in Wakanda or at least none? Reiterate
1: the soul stone for our audience.
0: Um, so the souls, uh, like what it no, is or what I think it theory. is. Um, I think, uh, Heimdall has it. It's, I think it's the jewel that is in his armor. I think that is why he can see across, uh, across galaxies, across planets, across universes. I think that's why he uh, was in certain flashbacks is blind because I think he in fact was blind. I think the soul stone gives him the power to see. Um, but I think that he is going to have it now that he is going to earth, that uh, or uh, presumably to Earth with Thor and and the crew, um, I think that's I think that is where it's going to be.
1: Unless when uh, Thanos intercepts the Asgardian ship, he gets a twofer. He gets the Tesseract from Loki and he gets the Soul Stone out of. Out of Heimdall's and armor. see,
0: originally I thought that, but in clips, it appears that he already, he will already have the Tesseract at, when he goes to and he gets Vision Stone. He puts that in and that's his second stone. And why would that be a second stone if he got a twofer?
1: Well, to be fair, they have changed the CGI on things that are appear in the yeah. in the trailer. true. I so mean, Thor didn't have yeah, a missing the missing eye. eye. We always yeah. got to think about the missing eye. But I'm really excited for them to throw down in Wakanda with Cap, Winter Soldier. Um, it's gonna. be I am great. now ex- so excited. Yeah, that that scene's Wakanda gonna stuff. be amazing. I'm really excited to spend more time in Wakanda now. Now that I have a feel for this, I know that people call it Afrofuturism, but I think of it more as like uh, cyber tribal. It's Kind of how it felt to me. Um, so Sribal Sribal was real Sribal, but I'm so excited for that. I think the I New York Sribal palsy that again. we've been teased looks okay. Um, I'm like, ah, Doctor Strange and Tony Stark, this is gonna be real Sherlocky. Um, it's
0: gonna be if, oh my god, I didn't think about the fact <laughs> Sherlock, I was just thinking it's gonna be really ego driven and exhausting. so really Sherlocky. <laughs> Fair. Everett Scott comes in. He's like, "Whoa!" Then Jude Law randomly walks in. He's like, "I don't know what." Jude Law's like, And then Rachel McAdams I, comes I've in, and cast. she's like, "Shit!" Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just realized that Rachel McAdams is in love is a in love interest for both of them. It was great. It was a great moment for me because we were recording. What? Yeah, that's why oh, she walks I never in. I put that she goes, together. Sh.
1: She comes in and goes. I just oh, this did. Is I did it
0: when I was talking. That this never happens it. to me, Dan. I'm never on top of it. Um, so, Dan, we're going to get a little more little more serious. Well, not actually at all serious for our next podcast. But our next podcast, we are going to talk about the Oscars. It's happening.
1: Annual Oscar Skyler's pod. back. Yep. You got Skyler. There'll be another bet. There'll be uh, a link in the uh, show notes for you to download your own Oscar ballots and Smart. check it out guys and we're gonna have fun we're and gonna talk about all the big categories we're gonna talk and we'll about- do a
0: poll of who we think is gonna be right yeah I mean guys we'll let's be. Poll. I mean not to toot my own horn but totally toot my own horn I have won the last two pets, so I feel like I'm a solid a solid person to get behind but now that I've said that I'm fucked I think Skyler's gonna take it seriously this time I think he, half the time last time was like well whoever we haven't chosen I'm gonna choose and I think he's gonna be a little more serious because we've seen like all the movies this year well, or a majority. one
1: can always hope for Skylar to be more serious, but I will not be holding my breath.
0: <laughs> no, yeah, uh, I Lovey don't buddy. either. <laughs> he, he doesn't listen to the podcast. No, he does it, when he's sick. I feel like when he's sick, he listens. So
1: he'll probably listen to this or, in like another week. So
0: no, he's actually sick right now. Oh, there you so go. Well, so he'll hi probably Skylar. Listen to it tomorrow.
1: <laughs> we'll see all of <laughs> hey, you Skylar. back here, including Skylar, for better or worse, for our Oscar Pod. Keep writing, guys. It's
0: black tie optional, but um, yeah.
1: (laughs) He's just going to wear a black tie if you say that.
0: God, no. I just realized because he's recording in my apartment. Damn it.
1: (laughs) Gone.
0: Slow Claps and Rewrites is effortlessly produced by Daniel Crary and Adair Rice. Editing is executed by Daniel Crary to the best of his abilities.
1: Slow Claps and Rewrites is a volume in the Secret Weapon Productions Library. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. In perpetuity. Like Mickey Mouse.